Thank you very much. Would you please take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2 for me. Matthew chapter 2. Thank you everyone for joining us. And uh, this week is Christmas, so Merry Christmas everyone. Wow, all right. Wake up everybody. I know it was a little dreary out this morning. How many of you woke up late this morning? Anybody? I did. A little bit late. It happens to me. I don't know why, but anytime it's, the sun doesn't shine, I wake up later. And I don't know if it's my body telling me that I need to sleep more, um, but that's the case. So I uh, hope you are all prepared for Christmas. I have a few things that I still have to get. And uh, so I'm going out hopefully tomorrow into the uh, crazy world of Christmas shopping again. So we're going to go do that tomorrow. So uh, Christmas has changed for me, though, over the years. Um, as a kid, I had uh, such a wonderful time and, and memories, all kinds of different things. And I remember having a hard time going to sleep as a kid on Christmas Eve into Christmas morning. And I was excited for the next day to see what my parents had gotten me. And there was always usually something really good under the tree. And so it was a lot of fun to uh, be ready and uh, be um, just pumped about what I was going to get. I got all kinds of fun things. I, I can just remember all kinds of good things, and it would always make the next year that much more exciting. And I was always excited to see my parents' reaction as to what I got them as well. But mostly, I wanted to get what I was getting for Christmas. It wasn't really about giving. I was more about what, what I was getting. But I remember waking up early on Christmas morning and sneaking up to my parents' room and tapping my mom on the shoulder and saying, Mom, can we get up now? She would get up and she would look at the clock and she would say something to this effect. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. Go back to bed. And so I remember we, we would do these things and time after time after time we would have these issues of us getting up too early in the morning. And so my dad would set a time limit. This is what time we will wake up. We will not wake up any earlier. We, we, if we wake up later, that's it. Well, we never woke up later. I believe that it was 6 o'clock was the time that he set. So every Christmas morning for, uh, for several years, I believe we all got up at 6 o'clock, and we would get up. We would get all situated, and I remember it was always cold in our house in the morning. I don't know if the dad turned the heat off at night or what, but whatever it was, we would be freezing to death. So we would get up, and we had an old furnace that sat in the front of our house, and uh, we would sit there by that furnace, and then we would go get blankets and stuff and either sit on the floor or sit at a chair, all kinds of different things that we would do to sit around, and we'd be sitting there waiting anxiously for one person, my dad. My dad was such a killjoy. And I remember sitting there thinking, does he not care about Christmas? We are all here. We are all ready. I mean, we could have had breakfast made three times by the time he gets going. We just want to open our presents. Let's go. And sure enough, I can remember it as vividly as anything else. He would come down the stairs and he'd do this. Just as slow as could be. And I'm like, does nobody walk down the stairs anymore? Like, come on, let's move it. But he would just, er, 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 taking his sweet old time. And he would, if you've been to our house, there's, as the stairs come down, he kind of begins to reveal a little bit more about the person because there's a wall that comes across the top. And so you can't see anything. You just see a foot come down and then the knee and then the hip and then, you know, the stomach. And then he would see his video camera in his hand. My dad videotaped every Christmas. So if you want to see something funny, go back through our videotapes. Some of them are still on tape, 
and remember some of the Christmases that we would have. My dad would come down those stairs as slow as molasses in, Jan- in January. Actually, as slow as molasses in December because that's when it was. He was so slow. And I remember just thinking, come on, dad, hurry up. Let's go. We want to go. My dad was in a world of all his own. But once he was in place, we would begin opening presents. And we opened presents one by one. So one child would go, then the next, then the next, then my mom, then my dad, then it would all go back around again, and my dad would videotape everything. Now, I said, opening statement was, Christmas has changed for me. Now, I am literally my dad. I am. I am so slow. I take my sweet old time on Christmas morning. My kids and my wife, get up, dad, let's go. Dad, it's time to open presents, dad. Come on, hurry up. Christmas just doesn't have the same childlike enthusiasm that it did before. The Bible says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. While I believe that is true, it's obvious that I'm selfish because I was way more excited to get than I am to give. Because now I'm in the position of giving more than I ever have been. And I say that jokingly because I do enjoy seeing my kids open their gifts on Christmas. I do enjoy being surprised as they are about what they got. Every dad should know that feeling because we never buy any of the presents anyway. But so often on our typical Christmases, we have focused on the physical presence and not the presence or the gifts that actually make a difference. The Legos and the connects that I used to receive didn't really make that much of a difference in my life until my mom stepped on one. Then it made a difference in everyone's life. There are only a few gifts that actually make a difference in the world, though. The great thing about these gifts is anyone can give them. It doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take a lot of uh, effort. It doesn't have to be all kinds of different things. Anyone can give these things. I remember going to the dollar store as a kid and buying tools for my dad. Now, I'm in that position, and that's okay, but I remember giving those things to my dad and thinking, that's all I can afford, That's all I could get. And my mom would be so happy and so helpful for me to get these things for my dad. And my dad would open them up and, and I believe, act excited. So you might be poor. You might be rich. You might be old. You might be young. You might be well. You might be sick. But the gift that you can give is the same price for all. I want to preach to you a message this morning that I've entitled, A Perspective on Giving. A perspective on giving. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 2 and look at some of the first gifts that were given in the Bible and in Jesus' life anyway. Matthew chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Verse 3, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And now Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. 
Verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to be in church this morning and to hear your word preached. Father, I pray that this would be your message, that it would be received as your message. And Father, I pray that we would learn what it is to give, what the true meaning of giving is today. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you so much for loving us, for showing us the way. And Father, if there's one here today that does not know you, I pray that today would be that day of salvation. Father, that they would know you in, in a very real way. Father, I thank you so much for Christmas, for your birth, and then for your death. Father, thank you so much for rising again three days later, that we can have a hope in Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I simply want to look at three aspects of giving that will hopefully change your perspective on giving. Okay? Three aspects of giving that will hopefully change your perspective on giving. Number one, giving is responsive. Giving is responsive. Listen, the wise men in this story bring to Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, if you know anything about these things, they are very valuable things. Okay, I have one piece of gold, and it's quite small. It's on my finger. It stays with me all the time because I'm too scared to lose it. I already lost it once, actually. That's a whole other story in and of itself. But gold's expensive. And so it's an expensive item. Frankincense, very, very expensive spice. Myrrh as well, very, very expensive things. Let me ask you this question. Why did the wise men give these gifts? What, what was the purpose? And we can spend a whole lot of time as to why frankincense and myrrh and gold and, and the, the picture behind them all. But let's think about this for a little bit. Why were they even there in the first place? Why did the wise men show up? I mean, of all the babies born in the world, they show up to this one child. Who invited them? Who sent out the invitation saying, hey, the king of the Jews is born? Let's have a look at all of these questions. Look again at verse 2 of chapter 2. The Bible says, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Watch now. For we have seen his star in the east. Here's why they came and are come to worship him. You see, someone invited them with an with a invitation that none of us has ever had before. If you have, let me know. I'd love to talk to you about that later. But understand, listen, they got an invitation. They've seen the star in the east. God puts his star up and says, hey, wise men, I want you to come and I want you to worship the king of the Jews. The king of the Jews. And so they're here. They're here to worship they're here to bow down, and we see that in verse 11, they fell down and worshipped him. They come and they worship this king of the Jews. I want you to think about gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Listen, these are not gifts for any just regular person. These are not gifts for any just common Joe Blow. These are gifts fit 
for a king. Gifts fit for a king. These, their gifts, listen, were in response out of their respect for a king. Listen, when you meet a king, what do you do? You fall in worship. You bow yourself down to a king, and if you're there, you're going to present him a gift. Now, again, depending on your status, you would give a gift of gold, frankincense, myrrh, or you, depending, you would give an expensive gift, or who knows what you would give, but you would want to give your very best to the king. And so here these wise men are. They come, they worship, they give gifts for the king, and their gifts were out of a respect for the king. You say, Pastor Yeomans, how in the world does this apply to me? I don't have gold, I don't have frankincense, and I don't have myrrh. I can't afford to give those things. I can't afford to give those things to anyone, let alone a king. I want you to remember, giving is responsive. Giving is responsive. The wise men were giving gifts out of respect for a king. It was out of their respect that they were giving. Listen, Jesus also gave in respect to an emotion. Jesus also gave in respect or in response to an emotion. John chapter 3 and verse 16, most of you will know this verse. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. His his love, in response to his love, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, God, even God himself, had love, and in response to his love, he gave. He gave. And here we see the wise men, in response to their respect, giving, but God, in his love, gave. What did he give? What exactly did he give? The Bible says that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his son. He gave up his son. The question is this, why? Why would he give his son? Listen, why would the the kings, the wise men, give gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Why would God give his son? God gave his son so that you would receive the free gift. Listen, why does anybody give anything? Hopefully that you'll receive it. If I know that you're not going to receive it, I'm probably not going to give it. Right? You give in hope for a receipt. I mean, that's what you want. You want somebody to receive your gift. You're giving out of, of a response of love or respect or whatever it might be. But God is hoping in praying and it is he is not slack concerning his promises some men count slackness but is long suffering to us we're not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance it is god's will that you accept his free gift he wills that he wants that he's hoping for that he's pleading for that will you just accept my gift of my son that's what he's hoping for you see his son came to pay the price for sin so that you don't have to. When I buy a gift, I pay the price. If I make my wife pay the price for her own gift, it's not a gift, is it? That's her having to pay for it. And so Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty of sin for you. You see, the Bible says that every one of us has sinned. Every one of us has done wrong. 
Sin is very simply anything that goes against God's commands. Let's give you the basics. Lying, cheating, stealing, dishonesty, wrong motives, wrong thoughts. I mean, the list could just go on and on and on. But all of us are guilty of lying at some point in our lives. All of us are guilty of wrong motives at some point in our lives. All of us are guilty of wrong thoughts. All all of us are guilty of dishonesty. Maybe not cheating, maybe not stealing, maybe not murder, but we have all sinned. We are all sinners. The payment for this sin, the Bible says, is death. But guess what? Somebody paid that price for you. Somebody paid that price for you, and all you have to do is believe that he paid it. When my wife gives me a, a, a gift, guess what? I don't think she stole it. I believe that she actually paid the price for it. I believe that I trust in faith. Listen, if she stole it, I probably wouldn't want to receive it. Because now that makes me what? An accessory. Now I'm going to go to jail for her theft. Listen, Jesus paid the price for you. All you have to do is believe that. Trust that he did that and accept it. And receive the free gift. This is receiving. You can only receive if someone gives. But giving is responsive. And listen, we can talk about this for a long time. We can talk about the fact that I want to give because I love. There's a a saying that I've said multiple times. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. So I want to give. I, it's in response to my emotion that I want to give. And here God, out of a response of love, gives his only begotten son. Hoping that you will receive. That you will receive his son. Not only is giving responsive, number two, giving is reciprocal. Giving is reciprocal. Let me ask you this question. How many times have you given someone something because they gave you something? Anybody in the same boat or is that just me? I'm the only loser in the place. Yep, I have done that where somebody gave me something. I'm like, oh my, I got to go out and get them something now. Right? It's reciprocal. Happens quite often. We usually, if that happens, we try to get a gift that is of at least equal value or more. Right? Well, if somebody buys me a, a coffee, I'll try and get them a coffee. Right? Hey, it's my turn this time. It's your turn next time. Right? It's, it's reciprocal. I mean, we can, we can take this up to a grandiose scale if you want, but think about this. Beth and I usually put a spending limit on each other for Christmas. And you think, oh, wow, you, Pastor Yeomans, are just such a wonderful person that you have to have a spending limit so that you don't go over because you're such a giving person, right? Wrong. That's the target I have to shoot for. i got to make it up to that because I have a tendency to not buy anything. I have a tendency to say, you know what, listen, let's just save our money this year, not buy any Christmas presents. And so I, we, we have the same level. So listen, if she buys me something that's more than the limit, I'm upset. Because this was the limit that you said, and now I'm thinking in my head, I have to equal that. I have to one-up. It's reciprocal. Let's just be honest about it. It's reciprocal. Following this train of thought with me, God loved you so much that he gave you a gift. 
I hoped today that you have accepted that gift. But giving is reciprocal. If you've received the gift that God has sent you, should we not want to give God a gift in return? Think about this with me. God sent his only begotten son to this earth to die on the cross for your sins. And that's a gift, whether you receive it or not, it's still a gift. And if you receive that gift, which is a wonderful gift, it is by far the greatest gift you could ever receive. You receive that gift, giving is reciprocal. Should you not then want to give God a gift in return? We must understand what God gave. I want to show you some verses. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 3 to 5, the Bible says, Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this now. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He gave himself. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and, watch, gave himself for me. Ephesians 5 and verse 2. The Bible says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Titus chapter 2, verse 13 to 14. Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. You see, Jesus gave himself. Jesus gave himself. Listen, we often think, well, Jesus died on the cross. The people took his life from him. That is the farthest thing from the truth. Jesus gave his life to be sacrificed. It was his gift for, that, for the reason that he might redeem us from all iniquity. That he might save us from our sins. You see, if Jesus gave himself, what could I possibly give him in return? You, see, you look at this and you think, well, I can't give my son. That's his decision. I, I can't give Jesus Christ back to God. It's his gift. I, I, what could I possibly afford to give back to God as a gift? I want you to see Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, because of what God has done for you, by the mercies of God that watch, ye present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Giving is reciprocal. You see, Jesus gave himself. What ought I to give him? I ought to give myself. Jesus gave himself. I ought to give myself. The only thing that we could give him that every one of us can afford is simply ourselves. It does not cost any 
extra money. It does, we don't have to be rich. We don't have to be wise. We don't have to be uh, prosperous. We don't have to be any of those things. We can just simply give him ourselves. Jesus is not looking for your great riches. Jesus is not looking for your talent or your good looks. He just wants you. He just wants you. Giving is reciprocal. You say, so I'm just supposed to give my life to him because he gave his life for me. That's it. I'm just supposed to give my life for him because he gave his life for me. That's, that's all there is to it, huh? Well, you have forgotten. Giving is reciprocal, yes. But don't forget, it's also responsive. Out of a response, yes, listen, Jesus Christ gave himself for me and it's reasonable that I give myself to him. But still, it's responsive. I want to show you 1 John chapter 4 in verse 18 and 19. The Bible says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Watch that, that's important. Obviously, because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I ought to do something for him. And sometimes we get this feeling that God, we ought to fear God because he did something for us. But perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Watch this now. We love him because he first loved us. So yes, yes, I understand giving is reciprocal. But let me ask you what the greatest gifts are. Let me ask you what the greatest gifts are. Are the greatest gifts reciprocal or are the greatest gifts responsive? The greatest gifts are responsive. Oh, yes, you can appreciate a gift that's reciprocal. That you bought me a gift, I'll buy you a gift. But listen, we ought to be giving to Jesus. We ought to be giving ourselves to Jesus because of love. And we get to love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Just, it's just a perfect circle. God loved us. He started the whole thing. Because of his love, he gave. And because he gave, we ought to give back. And because we ought to give back, we ought to love him, which he loves us. And it continues to go around. And because of our love, we want to give. And because he gave, we love him. And I mean, it's just everything ties together and it just keeps rolling. Giving is reciprocal, but giving is also responsive. Our giving of ourselves should not necessarily come out of fear of retribution. Well, if I don't give to him, what's going to happen? It should come from love. It should come from love. We can love him because he first loved us. You might be saying today, well, I want to give myself to Jesus because he loved me and gave himself to me, and because of that, I love him and I want to give myself to him. That's exactly the thought process we ought to be having. So the question is, how do I do this? How do I give my life to him? It starts with believing or having faith that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Believing or, or having faith that he paid the penalty for you. Believing or having faith that the Bible says that he conquered sin for you. Believing that he conquered death for you. Jesus rose from the dead three days after he had died. It starts by simply receiving his free gift. And once you've received his free gift, you can reciprocate that by surrendering your life to him. What does that mean? It simply means live your life for him. 
find out what his word says about living and live out everything that you can find in there. When God shows you something that he wants you to do from his word, just obey, live it. That's the best gift you could ever give. Live your life to glorify him. You say, how does that work? I don't understand it all. Let me get very, very, very simple. It all starts with a decision. Today is the day at this Christmas of 2020 that I give my life to Christ. He has given his life for me. And I have accepted his free gift of salvation because I'm a sinner. I deserve to die and go to hell. And because of that, I love him. And because of that love for him, I want to give my life back to him. It just starts with a decision. I don't know what your status is here today and what your relationship is with Jesus Christ. But so often in our lives, we can get sidetracked from this. We can get into this straight-up reciprocal giving. Well, Jesus died, and so I guess I better go to church. I guess I better read my Bible, and I guess I better do this, and it becomes duty-based instead of response-based. Response of love. Let me ask you a question today. Do you love, I mean truly love, Jesus Christ? Do you truly love him? Because if you do, you'll have no problem with surrender. You'll have no problem with giving But so often in our lives, we give out of duty. We give maybe even out of habit. We forget the perspective of love. It all starts with the decision. So not only is giving responsive, giving is reciprocal. Number three, giving is irrevocable. Giving is irrevocable. You ever tried to take a gift back after you have given it? You ever tried to take a gift back after you've given it? That doesn't make you a very nice person. Not at all. When a gift is truly given, it's irrevocable. You don't get to take it back. It's irrevocable. The wise men here in this story of Matthew chapter 2 did not show up later asking for their gold, frankincense, and myrrh back. Excuse me, we're a little uh, short this month. Could we have our gold, frankincense, and myrrh back, please? Didn't happen. They gave them. Now listen to this. This is so important. The gift that Jesus gave to you, listen, is irrevocable. The gift that Jesus gave to you is irrevocable. He will never take it away. There is nothing you can do to return it. He has permanently given it to you. The Bible calls it everlasting life. Doesn't stop. Doesn't come back. John chapter 6 and verse 37, the Bible says, And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. When you come to Jesus and you receive the gift of Jesus, he will in no wise cast you out. There is nothing you can do to get rid of it. It is irrevocable. I want you to think about this. That's exciting to me. Because there's nothing I can do to lose My salvation. There's nothing I can do to lose my relationship with God. There is something I can do to lose fellowship with God. There's nothing I can do to lose my relationship. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 12, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. You see, once you're born, you can never be unborn. 
Once you're born, you're a son or a daughter. You are just their child. Listen, you can change your name. You can walk away. You can do all kinds of different things, but you can never stop being your parent's child no matter what you do. You can never be unborn. And so Jesus is saying, listen, my gift to you is irrevocable. I will never take it away. You will always, once you've received it, you will always have it. But I want you to think about this. Likewise, when we give our lives to him out of response, not of reciprocation, it ought to be irrevocable. Think about that. When we give our lives back to him, it ought to be irrevocable. When we receive his free gift, he will never take it back. But when we give him our lives in return far, far too often, there are many people that take it back. I being one of them. I have been at an altar similar to this where I've knelt down and prayed and asked God to save my soul. And because of that, I've given my life to him. And there have been been many times where I thought, no, 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 not today. Not today, God. I'm going to live my life the way that I want to today. I'm going to have a fight, and I'm going to and, and struggle through this. And God, I, I, want my, I want my gift back. I want my life. I want to do with my life as I see fit. And there's this constant back and forth. Listen, that's not a gift when I constantly take it back. Listen, isn't it about time we actually gave God our lives truly? I think I believe this, people that take gifts back lost sight of the reason why they gave it in the first place. We've had problems, right? Where somebody gives you a gift and then you do something wrong to them or they get frustrated with you and they say, give me that gift back. You don't deserve that. They've lost sight of why they gave it in the first place. Because of love or because of whatever reason. Listen, you might be sitting here this morning And you used to live for God. You used to be in love with him. But for whatever reason, you've stopped. You may have lost sight of the love you have had for God. Can I encourage you with this? God has not lost sight of his love for you. God's love is not irrevocable. He gave you his son. He still loves you. He will never stop loving you. Maybe today you can make a decision that you'll come back and love him again. This Christmas, maybe we can change our perspective a little on giving. And think, listen, it's not about these physical things that we give. Listen, and those, they're fun. Don't get me wrong, they're fun. They can change people's lives. Yes, it's wonderful. But there is only one thing that can truly change the world, and that was the gift Jesus gave. Change the entire world loved you, died on the cross for you, maybe this Christmas we can look at the amazing gift that God gave us. And in response to his love, maybe we can reciprocate that gift and give our lives to him. Maybe we've lost sight of that. Christmas started with giving. That's how we got Christmas. (laughs) Because somebody gave. But it was the giving of God's only son, Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, what are you going to do with the gift that God gave?
If you sit here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I would love to help you with that. I would love to help you see that and know that. I would love to explain that to you a little bit more. But if you've received that gift, let me ask you this question. What have you given him in return? Some have only given a little bit of time. Some have given a little bit of money. Well, Pastor Yeomans, I tithe every week. Some have only given portions and parts. But listen, the only acceptable gift, the only gift that God is looking for is you. So as we look at this Christmas, let's change our perspective on giving and reciprocate out of a response of love to something that is irrevocable. Let's make a decision that no matter what, God can have me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for all you've done for us. Thank you so much that we have this opportunity to even talk about this free gift of salvation. Father, we love you. It's only because you first loved us. Thank you so much for your gift that you've given. I pray now that if there's someone here today has never accepted that gift that today they would accept. And Father, if there's one here that has taken their gift back or not presented you a gift in return, then Father, I pray that today they would surrender their lives to you. Not because they have to, but Father, because we get to. We have the opportunity to. Father, as we look at this Christmas, it's going to be different. It's going to be a change that none of us ever expected. But again, Father, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's time we got back focused on you. and Refocus our lives and give our gift irrevocable to you. I pray that you would work in this time. We pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Again, I don't know everybody here today. But if you've never accepted Jesus Christ and you want to do that today, I would challenge you and encourage you to see me after the service. We can talk about that. For the rest of you, this is a time where we need to make some sort of decision. So maybe you just need to write something down that says, I need to give God the gift he deserves this Christmas. Or I'm going to give my life to him today, whatever your decision needs to be. Maybe it's just a refocus. I don't know, but I pray and hope at this time, you'll make a decision, and I challenge you to write it down as well.